So, hi, Janine. Hi, Lisa. Cheers. Cheers. Not as good as the last year, but... This is a... I mean, so we... This is our second recording, because the first one didn't sound so great. It's a little echoey. So, but it, with each recording, we do do a bottle of bubs. You gotta have the bubs. And so the first Cheers, one was man. glasses. This yep. is, you know, it's substantial. For my... It's firm. Uh, U.S. Open. U.S. Open, yes. Mm-hmm. Well, you were, you're a tennis queen. Mm-hmm. Cheers. Well, so... Okay. This episode is about mothers and all of the scope of mothers and mothering that we do. So mm-hmm. I decided that it would be really great if you and I got together to open this episode up because it's how we met 27 years ago, having kids together. So we were young <laughs> and we, were. we thought everything was amazing. <laughs> well, about amazing but we were amazing well we were young enough to not overthink anything exactly right so i was 22 and you were 22 22, i thought you were 23 well i was 23 when hannah was born yes so hannah is 27 now yep and maya will will be be 27 in february in february so there's a slight age difference so the first time we met um was I was living in a pretty rundown house. <laughs> Hannah was napping and you came over with Maya who was in a car seat mm-hmm. and I opened the door and we kind of vaguely knew each other, maybe yeah. through other people. So this is before cell phones. So there wasn't a text or a call that I'm on my way over, can let's have a play date like yeah. moms do now. It's yeah. like yeah. Let's have a play date because now it's Facebook groups and then you have to go to top security clearance to even, you know, be involved <laughs> in the mom group. So, so you brought Maya in and then we spent the next couple of years really, really connected mm-hmm. as mothers, mm-hmm. you know, yeah. we shared babysitters and I mean, Maya's grandmother, <laughs> in other words, <laughs> Things felt, so this is the early 90s, and I would say that we were pretty, I mean, I guess then it would be alternative, Yeah. you know, on the scene, so we were living simply. And there were no other mothers right, we that we knew mothers. of. Right, that's right. We were pretty much it. That's right. And did you ever think twice to bring Maya somewhere? Never. Never. Yeah. Yeah, yeah same. And so... Hannah and Maya were always the only kids in the room. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. And so there's comfort in that because then you and I could go do what we wanted knowing the two of them were, and we would be in outdoor festivals and Mm -hmm. do these things and the girls would be off playing and we could be like, fine. And we did not hover. No, we definitely didn't No, we were not hovering mothers. No. And so where is Maya now? Maya is in Brooklyn, living her life, barista. Mm-hmm. Extraordinaire. Yes. <laughs> and has been out of the house as oh, she yeah, should. Exactly. As she as she should. Uh yep. So she did her stint at NYU, didn't finish that, but she's been living on her own in you know, in New York for seven years. Yeah. That's really which something. Is, you know, better than I could say I would have ever have done at that age. So Yeah. She's doing well. And Hannah so Hannah's in grad school, um, getting a double PhD. Unbelievable. Um, but not that unbelievable. Yeah. So I think both of us had these kind of extraordinary kids. Yeah. 
And I have to always think that some of what was extraordinary about them is their childhood, mm-hmm. which was they really did have a village. Yeah. You know, and didn't suffer because there weren't any other kids. They actually benefited mm-hmm. because there were no other kids. <laughs> yeah. And then they could relate to grownups. They did. They you know? did. You know, Alex and I, my husband, Alex and I, her stepdad, you know, we talk about that all the time. We never talked to Maya like she was a kid, and we never didn't bring her somewhere because she was a kid. Right. You know, that, I, yeah, it was, it was definitely a unique um, experience compared to, I think, what life is like for kids now. Yeah. And so now I can say I had two more children. Mm-hmm. I married... Um, seven years after Hannah was born and her youngest sister is eight years younger and then her brother is 10 years younger. And so I am such a different mother to these two. I became um, a little too helicoptery, a little too target runs, a little too... I don't think so. I'm not. It's hard not to put the two times together and not come away with compare the comparison sure. because I was such a different mother. Yeah. So I was a mother in my 20s and then a mother again in my 30s. But you were a mother in times, like you said, where neither of us had, you know, the means that we do today. And, you know, I mean, they, I wouldn't say we were desperate but we could have been desperate for a babysitter you know Mm -hmm. how are we even going to pay one if we had Mm -hmm. to go to work you were dealing with that all the time Mm -hmm. it's very different you know I mean the circumstances were very different they were different and Hannah's dad and I separated when she was six months old so um Georgia and Henry the younger two siblings um you know had both parents had a house we had two cars I mean we had all of the things because I was really determined to kind of say this is what being a mother is supposed to look like Mm -hmm. and I feel like a part of me now I'm 50 I look back and I think I drank the Mm Kool-Aid you know I didn't really think that I was enough of a mother that I needed all this extra stuff to say I was a good mother, right? So the finest of the baby food, the finest of the all these things and the trappings of just what seems to me now of just kind of not being able to focus on that we are actually enough Mm -hmm. to our kids. We are really all they need. And so, you know, I we talked earlier today when we were talking about this podcast about how the scope of mothering comes in so many forms mm-hmm. in so many ways that some of us are mothering our mothers and some of us are still mothering grown children and some of us mother our partners mm-hmm. in life. And, you know, the emotional and physical labor is what's expected. You know, there isn't this space where people can kind of go and say, I need you to take this human from me and then they take this human from you and give you 72 hours because families are dispersed you know there aren't real communities unless I can think of Julia you know my Cuban friend whose grandmother lived with her and her Mm -hmm. mother and her mother now is very involved in her children so there's direct access to care yeah and that's I mean I guess when 
Um, Hillary Clinton talks about a village. That was the intention, is that it has to be beyond family because right. we all move that along. Yeah, exactly. Mm-hmm. It doesn't really exist now. Yeah. So the nuclear family. Yeah. Now. Yeah. It's striking to me the difference that, you know, when I think about there was no TV in our house, there wasn't computers, there were no cell phones when we had our children. Well, and I feel like, you know, the mothering that I did was basically what I felt like mothering was. I didn't, you know, we didn't have that comparison. We didn't have that constant, like, check of, like, did I do this? Did I do this? Have I done? The only thing that I remember... Right, here's a picture of John's birthday. Here's a picture of Tyler's birthday. The only thing that I remember very clearly was that what to expect in the first two years or whatever. Do you remember that book? There was what to expect... Oh, what to expect when you're expecting. expecting, And then what to expect and, you know, whatever. So tired. That book was so tired. Oh, my but I was like, is she doing that? Is she doing that? Because yeah. I did. I got caught up in that. But yeah. thank God that was it. Yeah. You know, but other than that, you know, mothering to me was, you know, just just be. Just right. be there with right. her. Just make sure she understands right. where the boundaries are. Right. And let her have the freedom to do whatever right. within that exactly. safe space. Right. Because we're removed from being present. To our current situation, yes, when we have the distractions, yeah, we have the distractions of checking and being checked. Yep. I, it, you know, it didn't occur to me until my kid was going through life, right? Was having heartache and grief and pain and all of the things that go along with like emerging as an adult person what was I responsible for? Mm-hmm. Like, I was ready to own all of it. Mm-hmm. I was ready to say, it's all my fault. I could have been a better mother because, <laughs> you know, when Hannah was two, I started using drugs. I mean, I became a full-blown heroin addict and <clears throat> lost custody of her to her dad and spent the next, I would say, four or five years, you know, trying to replace oh, yeah. my footing with her oh, yeah. Um, because she went on to have this kind of life with her dad and his wife that was normal. Yeah. And with me, it was we were taking trailway buses to other parts of the country, and maybe she had the same shoes, maybe she didn't. <laughs> I didn't even think about it. Right. And, you know, so I think a lot of me going into motherhood with the next two was about trying to get it right. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. I'm sure that it was. Yeah. Because and we're all know. like, I mean, no one's harder on a mother than the mother right. herself. Yeah. You know, because there's so many indications through our child's success and failures that they're somehow ours. And so many times that we would talk, I would be over at your house, you'd be doing my hair, we'd be talking, and we'd be talking about Hannah coming over to the house, you know, during that time when she was, you know, early teens or, you know, late Mm -hmm. tweens, whatever. And the way that you would, you know, sort of approach it with this kind of like, I have to do my time, I have to do my time, I have to be careful, I have to, you mm-hmm. know, be, you know, uh, conscious of, mm-hmm. of how things are. And, and I would always kind of react like, I can't believe that you're so patient, but I get it, you know, and I got it then, I did, you know, mm-hmm. but... Um, it totally makes sense. I mean, the way you've parented with... 
So uh, Janine so is what we call yes is is an empty nester. So there are two poodles here. There is Charlie who's on her lap, and there is a little little tiny one who is brand new. And it's Oscar, and Oscar is perhaps two pounds of okay, two and a half. Sorry, Janine. Um, he's probably in the ninetieth percentile, I'm sure. Um, at least in fur size. Oh lord. So, so now you're mothering these dogs. Yeah. These babies. I know Charlie and Oscar are amazing. <laughs> So Oscar's brand new, and we were also worried about Charlie accepting Oscar, and yeah, it's been fine. It's true. He's been fine. He's been he fine. It. Yeah, they're totally fine. Erotic, so, so anyway, sorry about that. I think it's really something to see the difference in the community of... That's Charlie. Charlie's coughing really bad. That's really kind of sweet. Because I think it's it's kind of he gets overly excited because he's having an emotion. Yeah, exactly. That's it. He's I just mean, having an emotion. Like, sorry. And so Charlie's a little tiny poodle too. Sorry, Neil. Uh, but if I had had social media in the early '90s, right, and then all throughout, because when I look at some of my social media feed and these young mothers, everything's getting documented. Oh yeah. And validated. Or not. Or not. So the things yeah. that are hard feel super hard yeah. because you just had all these 150 likes for mm -hmm. your kid's report card. Mm -hmm. And then your kid comes home with an F and you're not going to share that. So you have to process it. Right. So I'm glad I didn't have to do that. And I'm wary of doing it with Georgia and Henry. I mean, they're older teenagers now. Um, but certainly I think our motherhood in this in this day and age gets validated quite easily on social media yeah. and we turn on each other a little bit mm -hmm. and we judge and we do all of those things and when in the end we're going to require mothering ourselves right you know we're going to need in to be mothered end. in exactly. the end and because that's the most powerful of all love it's all of the love right so you're not going to close your door on your kid but who is going to open the door to us when we need help, you know? And I think that the mother of all mothers, the planet Earth, um, who is lamenting, of course, so terribly right now, um, is kind of my go-to force. When we are really terrible to the Earth, we still get a rainbow. We still get a sunrise. Mm. We still get... Oh, beauty we still get i mean we still get love from the earth yeah. no matter how we shitty we treat her gorgeous fall days right. that we're having right now but we can't see it when we're in the space of complaint yeah right so our kids when they go into those years of complaint because i have one now <laughs> who's in constant complaint of me he might not see that there's his favorite cereal and that I went to the grocery store after work when I was really tired to make sure that things were there. And then his cell phone's on. Like, he won't see the fruition of my care and love for him until he's older. Right. And that's the break we have to give our kids, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah. I mean, that is, that is pretty much across the board, I think. There's an exceptional child out there, perhaps, that appreciates that all the time. But 
them yet. Let me tell you where they live. <laughs> where do they live? Um, they live on a farm, yeah. and they have no television. <laughs> they right. have no cell phone. Yes. And they're working. So they don't exist. Basically. And they have no time for complaint. They're in constant <laughs> state of gratitude. Because, you know, when there's complaining, there can be no gratitude. So, I don't know. I don't know. I have faith in the millennials and our oldest, my oldest, your daughter's I do too. I do. kids. You I know, do. they don't seem to complain about the stuff that you and I are pulling our hair over right now. And they do seem to be conscious of a, of a lot of things that, you know, even at their age, I wasn't. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, I think Hannah and Maya are both very aware of... The political landscape and mm-hmm. the, you yeah, know, the harm that we're doing to Millennials the earth are and, you know, so. This rosé is delicious. It is. it is. It's really good. So, in that respect, I think, you know, um, high five. We did a pretty good job with the old mothering. We uh, did. Um, but I will say that Hannah was born into, in my family, who were close by with my aunt, yeah, who's Lizzie. passed, oh, Lizzie, yes. and... Um, my mother, in her own sweet way, yeah, taking yeah. care of her. So I didn't have a car, and to get to, to work was hard. Yeah. And if I was working late, they would just keep her overnight, mm-hmm. so I would lose a lot of time with Hannah so I could work. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know. I think uh, my mother was 25 years old with three children under five in 1973. I can't even. In a two-bedroom apartment, my dad had split. And she was a secretary, yeah. because then that's what you did. Mm-hmm. And I couldn't have held the gratitude I hold for my mother then that I hold now. Right. But it took me being a mother to get it. Well, so there we go. Full circle. Exactly Full circle. what, yeah. you know. And so my on. mother is in her 70s, and she volunteers three days a week at our Daily Bread Wow. And two days a week at a nursing home. So our daily bread feeds homeless people. So she goes down there and she feeds homeless people and cleans up. And she's... Um, That's fantastic. I didn't know that about your mom. Yeah. Hmm. She's really amazing. And my mother might be 90 pounds soaking wet and five oh, feet God. tall. Yeah, she is a tiny. She's tiny. She's planet, Yeah, she's much. almost invisible. <laughs> um, lives alone. She won't let me inside of her house, Janine. Oh, so no. I don't... Um, there's talk of my sister and I breaking in, but I don't know. But yeah, we're in the stages now of talking about how do we care for our mother? Yeah. yeah. And because she appears so kind of extremely well, mm-hmm. but you know, she can't take care of this house by herself and she's alone and yeah. all of these things. So, and your mother, and my mom is, you know, dealing with a lot with her, um, 88 or nine-year-old boyfriend who is not in good Your mother health. is such a queen. She, <laughs> Your mother is such a queen, honestly. She is She is yeah. pretty amazing. But, she, you know, she is kind of dealing with, uh, with a lot of things herself that, you know, I do feel the draw to um, part of, you know, our thoughts and moving closer to her or certainly, you know, being mm-hmm. there to help her because, you know, if anything happens to him, she will be alone. Mm-hmm. You know, you don't want your mom to be alone, and you don't want, uh, you know, you don't want her to, to be mothering herself. You want to kind mm-hmm. of help yeah, her out. Yeah, that's right. It's time. It's time. So, um, I've already recorded a couple of women mm-hmm. in the shop, mm-hmm. and um, they're kind of amazing stories, really sweet. So, 
Um, we'll try and get through, um, you know, editing and, and learning all about it. But I think for our first episode, this was perfect. I do too. Yeah. Thanks, Janine. Hey, thank you, Lisa. Thanks, thanks for ta Oh, here, girl. Cheers. I'll Cheers. I'll give you some bubbles. Thanks. Thanks for joining us on the chair. Thank you. Hi, welcome to the mothering episode. In this episode and these clips um, you're about to hear are two sisters. Um, they are grown women and they speak of their mother. You'll hear Martina talk about her experience with her mother in kind of the most beautiful, touching way. Uh, it's a pretty incredible story, um, her mother's story. And you'll hear Cornelia talk about her own experience as a mother. Um, I find these two sisters to be incredible. They come in together every six weeks to get a color and a cut. I'm actually doing their color um, as you hear this episode. So you'll hear some background noise and you'll hear some sharing from Martina that is extremely poignant, uh, really speaks to the depth of what place we hold for our mothers as we grow and become adults. And Cornelia will speak about her experience as a mother and the connections we make with our own mothers as we become mothers. Uh, I hope you enjoy it. I love these two women uh, deeply and I feel extremely grateful for their vulnerability and uh, just beautiful love um, to share uh, that they have for their mother who I hope to meet one day, um, but she sounds like a pretty powerful woman. Enjoy the recordings and um, be well. Hi, you're going to hear me and Janine, one of my very dear friends, talk about our experience being mothers very young. Um, Janine was the first person that I sat down to record and I'm pretty sure I wouldn't have even started this project without her help and support. So when you have friends like that, um, it makes you feel like you can do anything. And for that, I'm grateful. We did a lot of growing being young mothers together. Um, we were both 23 years old. So we're going to share some of our experiences together and laugh a little bit. Uh, Janine is truly a remarkable woman, and having her in my corner has always been one of my best blessings. Enjoy. <laughs> 